Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Unfinished. <laughs> we're never going to finish this message series. Say unfinished. <laughs> hey, we're works in progress. Amen. Learning, uh, learning the essentials of our faith through the story of Nehemiah and his mission to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, the walls that protected the temple. And listen, we are now called the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're now the temple. So the Old Testament temple, that was that, but now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are, uh, we now have, in a sense, we have walls and gates in our lives. And, and that's a picture of God's principles, protection, provision, and power for us. That's what that Old Testament picture of Nehemiah rebuilding the, the, the walls that were in ruins and shambles. That's what it is for us in 2022. But let me start by saying this as it goes along with that word. God loves close. God loves close because close is where God can bless you the most. But truthfully, many times the opportunity to get close comes in times of trouble. David wrote this in Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. <laughs> Why'd you have to say that? In trouble. As a matter of fact, I believe this. Trouble is an opportunity for a deeper and closer relationship with God because that's usually when we need him the most. But I realize we find ourselves in difficult circumstances. The tendency might be to avoid it or run from it, but don't feel bad. That's natural. Because this is what David said in Psalm 55, 5 and 6. He said, fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and rest. Right? When trouble comes, that's the natural response is, get me out of here. Let me fly away. So again, don't feel bad if you want to escape when trouble comes. But David knew that escaping wasn't the answer. He goes on to say this a few verses later in Psalm 55, 22. Give your burdens to the Lord and he'll take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. So when trouble comes, let's not run from it, but grow through it. And just know that whenever it's near, whenever the, the, the thing pops up in your life, God is near you, holding you up, holding you close, and leading you on. Because again, close is where God can bless you the most. Well, that's my lead-in today to where we're going. Uh, if you want to subtitle this message, you'll, know, you'll understand as we go. You can call it the gift of the mess. Say the gift of the mess. The mess is important because like the old saying, you can't have a message without a mess. You ever heard that? It's true. Well, what does this have to do with Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the wall? I don't know. No, let, let me show you. Let's look at Nehemiah and the next phase of the rebuild. Nehemiah 3, 13 through 14. The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zenoa, led by, wasn't Hunan, Hanun. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired the 1,500-foot wall to the dung gate. Say dung gate. 
The dung gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rechab, the leader of Beth Hakarim district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Valley and dung. Say it. It sounds like a bad country group from the deep, deep south. <laughs> or a mess. Valley and dung. The valley gate and the dung gate. Now we're combining these gates. Actually, we're combining all the gates as we move forward and finish here in a few weeks. The valley gate and dung gate. We're combining them for good reason because valley and dung, when you bring the two together, you might get a mess. Can you relate? Here's that wall again, because i got to show you the wall and how it works. We understand that the sheep gate is where Nehemiah started when he's rebuilding and fortifying the walls around the temple. You are the temple. And the sheep gate is, was, is Jesus, right? He's the shepherd. We're the sheep, but he's the shepherd, the lamb of God. Let me say the sheep gate this way. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He did it. It's finished. Thank you, Nehemiah, for starting there. And then naturally, when we get born again, when we, when we get uh, the salvation, the righteousness of Jesus, we start even naturally telling people about it. We got a smile on our face. We got joy in our heart. And all of a sudden, we are impacting people when we don't even know it. That's the fish gate. We're go catching fish, right? We're reaching people. And then last week, we talked about that old gate. That old gate, that's when we start learning and growing, and that's when we get discipled, and the Holy Spirit teaches us and, 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 and starts uh, growing, and it's strengthening us in our faith. We go to church, read the Bible. We start listening to worship music or Christian music. I mean, God is just developing us. And all of a sudden, we get to this place called the valley gate and the dung gate, all of Jerusalem's trash and rubbish was taken out through the dung gate and then burned to the, brought to the valley and burned and buried in the valley. Burned and buried in the valley. And you can see that there's quite a distance from, from the old gate to the next two gates. And I think in preparation for what will inevitably come, some trial, some test, some mess for the new Christian, it seems God allows this honeymoon period where he teaches us, he strengthens us, and guides us through the old gate. It's good and essential. But sooner or later, the valley gate will come, the dung gate must come, the humbling will arrive. Never easy, but we need to remember that nothing really grows on the mountaintops, but it sure does down in the valleys. And Nehemiah didn't skirt around those two gates. He could have. He got right to work. Or he could have just stopped at sheep, fish, and old. Man, that, that's, that's good. That's good enough, right? Valley and dung didn't scare Nehemiah. This is what I love about him. Because if you remember a few chapters earlier in Nehemiah 2, 
before the work even started. Nehemiah says this. Check this out. So, but he, he comes up on this scene. He hasn't entered the, the, the city yet, but, he, but where he enters is, is important. He says, after dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's wall, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burnt gates. After dark... There weren't any street lights or flashlights. Nehemiah wasn't messing around. He was going at it head on in the dark. That was his mindset and heart. I don't know if I would have chosen those two gates. I probably would have just gone through the sheep gate, right? Gone through the fountain gate, the water gate. Seems much more inviting. But he didn't. It's kind of like Jesus. He came from heaven to earth. He came from perfection into imperfection. And in comparison to a heap of trash, a broken, sinful, wicked place, valley and dung, that's what he did. Isn't that how we enter earth? A little messy. Reminds me of Anna Lynn coming into this life. It's the first time I saw a Smurf. A real life Smurf, Smurf, purple and blue. And Emily had a C-section. That you know the story. And, and I'm I'm sitting there and and just uh, holding her hand and and consoling her through this process. And and there was a sheet up. And I'm in there. And and all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, the doctor says, or he didn't even say anything. He just drops the sheet, and there is this alien. <laughs> and I about fainted. I, pa- I was passing out. And so and she, I, I, I take my hand away, call for the nurse. She comes with, um, with uh, you know, a, a rag, a cold rag and smelling salts. And here's Emily patting my back. <laughs> Humbling. That's how we enter this earth. See, our lives are designed to bring messages of hope and courage and love. Listen, out of our messes. That's why we need God because, listen, we need his grace because grace only sticks to messy. It doesn't stick to perfection or performance or self-righteousness. It only sticks to messy. Listen, there's a gift in the mess. So be encouraged today because the Bible is filled with messy lives and messy situations. Unfinished, broken people who discovered the grace, the forgiveness, the love of God. I mean, just look at Peter for a moment. He had more messy situations than Jesus, or with Jesus than any other disciple. Look, look at this. He goes fishing, catches nothing. Goes fishing again, catches a boatload. Walks on water, almost drowns in the water. He rebukes Jesus and one verse later is rebuked by Jesus. He defends Jesus with a sword and later chased away by a little girl. Makes a vow never to turn away from Jesus, then denies him three times. Refuses to let Jesus wash his, wash his feet, then asks Jesus to wash his whole body. Witnesses a miracle on a mountain and falls asleep while praying in a garden. He hides from the cross, but later found running to the tomb. Back and forth and up and down was the messy life of Peter. Can anyone relate? <laughs> Come on. Unfinished. He was unfinished, listen, but needed to grow through, grow past, grow up through some issues, right? Like we all do. So as we go through messes and 
tests and trials and valley moments and dung seasons, we'll see the importance of these gates as we pick up stuff in life, as we carry unnecessary burdens, we see how critical these gates, valley and dung, are. It's where the rubbish was removed, taken down into the valley to be burned and buried. Dung. The rubbish. Listen, most people just stuff it down inside. We, we all go through bad experiences, hurtful situations, trauma, but listen, this is what I've known. If it's left alone, if it's left inside the gate, it only piles up and eventually overflows. And everyone knows it. When I lived in Ionia, there was this one house that I'd pass by every single day going to work. And, and, and every day there was something new that was coming out in the, of the house on the porch. And eventually the porch didn't, couldn't carry all the stuff that was on this, in this place coming out of it. And then it was out in the yard. And then it was out, really out in the yard. Then it was out in the back. And finally... Someone said, that's not right. They, they called the city. City came, so you got to clean that stuff up. They burned it all. It's kind of like our lives. We just stuff it in, stuff it inside the gate. Listen, eventually it's going to pop up. It's going to pop out, right? We know that. Listen, God made those gates just for us for our protection and purpose, for our healing and deliverance. See, there really isn't any way around valley and dung. We will pass this way at some point in life. We'll find ourselves in humble places, in messy situations, but it's there where God shows his strength. It's actually in the mess where you find the gift. It's in the valley where you find life. It's in the difficult place where you'll find peace and abundance. Is anybody hearing this today? This is what David knew about the valley. We've all heard these verses at some point in time. I'm just going to read them to you. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. Matter of fact, let's just read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Listen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Pause. Okay, ready? Start up again. Yay. <laughs> yeah, really, yay? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Stop. Stop. I think that's 12 words, maybe less, 11, I don't know. Okay, let's keep going. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that good? But it's that one verse 
Right in the middle. That scares so many people. The valley of the shadow of death. And if we focus on it, we struggle in it. But here's the truth of the valley you might even be in right now. You're not surrounded by darkness. You're not surrounded by defeat. You're not surrounded by death. You're not surrounded by that one verse. You are surrounded by all the other verses. Almighty God, the shepherd, green pastures, quiet waters, times of refreshing, his comfort, his anointing, his power, his presence, his goodness overflowing with abundance. Listen, that is what is in the valley because that is who is in the valley. See, the reason why we struggle in the valley, I struggle in the valley, is because I might forget who owns it. Who owns it? And who's in it? Listen, I think God leads us through valleys so that we can find him. That's what I'm learning. Even though they can be dark, even though they can bring fear and cast a shadow of confusion, it's right there in the valley and dung where you'll find power and beauty. It's there you will find a good God. Please hear this. And I know I'm speaking to Trev right now too and other people who have gone through difficult things with losing people in their lives. Listen, I believe this. Listen, it's in there in that valley moment where I've truly gotten to know my Savior. It's not on a mountaintop. It's in the valley. I think there's a level of God's presence that can only be found in the valley. Come on. I'm, not, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir don't tell me when you went through your tough time and situation that you didn't feel God's presence so powerful. And it was in that valley, that dark time. Kevin and I were talking about this. I think the act of trusting and worshiping God in and through pain and trial, listen, is the most, most authentic expression of faith. I think worshiping and trusting God through trial in a mess is the most, most authentic expression of faith. You know why? Because it's only on this earth that we have a chance to do that. There's no pain in heaven. There's no mess in heaven. There's no suffering in heaven. And I'm not saying, yay, though I'll walk through the valley. I'm not saying, I don't like the scripture that says rejoice when you fall into various trials, right? Thank you, Jesus. But I'm understanding as I grow past the old gate and I find myself in a pickle or a mess, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, now I'm understanding, Jesus, a little more of who you are. So trials are difficult when you're going through them. But listen, when they're over, you see how much God has done. We see the rubbish, the fear, the shame, the oppression God has removed from our lives. And he not only removed them, he burned them and buried them once and for all. Yeah. That's a patty cake. That's a golf clap. That's all right. 
Valley and dung. Listen, our rubbish removed, our trauma healed, our faith purified. I've learned this. See, giving God our stuff through the valley and dung gate is a powerful act of humility. Keeping our stuff is a dangerous act of pride. Hey, it's time to locate those gates today and give our stuff to God. Give our cares to him. Give our life to him. To bring what has been hidden in darkness out into his marvelous light. I know messy situations can seem scary and overwhelming. Let me give you one tip. Don't confuse God with trouble. Do not confuse God with trouble. This is what the enemy wants us to do. Check this out. Look, look, look at this Nahum 1.7. I know you just got done reading this. The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He's close. So let me say this. Goliath wasn't God. God defeated him. Jezebel wasn't God. She was the enemy. Sickness wasn't God. He healed it. Leprosy wasn't God. He cured it. Blindness, physical infirmity, spiritual oppression, death was not God. He conquered it. Because a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. I just wanted to put that down and, and put that stake in the ground. I don't understand everything. I pray for people and they passed away. I'm not, I'm not going there. That's, that's, that's too complicated for me. That, that's God's deal, right? My job is just to pray. But, but I, I'm learning not to confuse the problem with God. So let me give you 17 things. No, I'm just kidding. Three things really quick. I'll get you out of here as far as you know. Nehemiah shows us what to do. This is, this is so important here, what I'm going to tell you. Nehemiah 2.13. Look at this. Nehemiah 2.13. And I went out. Look, look at this. This is King James Version. I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Sounds like the beginning of a scary movie. Valley, dragon, dung, broken, consumed by fire. I get it. This place looks so horrifying. But let me encourage you today, when the mess comes, because it will, can't skirt around it, you go in there. It's my challenge today. You go in there. Don't be afraid to go in there. Don't run from messy. Nehemiah said, I went I went, he said. He may have started with a few others, but eventually he went in. He went in. Yes, others will help you get there. That's really important, by the way. Someone's hurting, get by their side, get them to where they need to go. But at some point in time, that person will have to go in alone. 
go in alone. And I say it this way, I, I can't have someone else do the work for me that I'm called to do. I can't, I can't delegate responsibility. I can delegate authority, but not responsibility. In other words, I'm not going to delegate my marriage to some other man. I'm not going to delegate my family to some other dad. I'm not going to delegate the preaching of the gospel from this pulpit to somebody else. That's what I'm called to do. That's my responsibility. I mean, like an ongoing. We've got wonderful teachers and speakers in this house that will be here speaking. I got to go there. You got to go there. Say, say, you go in there. Turn to your neighbor and say, you go in there. Number two, and you pray in there. Say, you pray in there. That's what Nehemiah was doing. He was walking, thinking, looking, and talking with God. He, I believe he was constantly communicating with the one who has the master plan. I love this verse in Matthew 6, 6. Kevin talked about this in his message, I think. But it says, when you pray... Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Reminds me of Jesus in the garden. He went off to the side alone to be with God. See, listen, there comes a time in all of our lives when we are called, we, you, I am called to pray in there alone, alone, alone. When I read the scripture about prayer closet, I literally got in a tiny closet. I don't do that anymore. It was, that, that was rough. I, <laughs> but it was just a tiny, dark closet. But it was good for the moment because I said, God, I need you. It's just me and you. Nobody can help me. Nehemiah 4.4, 4, almost done. Then, then I, listen, then I prayed. Look at Nehemiah. Then I prayed. Hear us, O God, for we're being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their heads and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Listen, your cry is what God is looking for because your cry is authentic. Your cry is real. And by the way, don't worry about having the right words to say because the Holy Spirit takes your frustration, takes that even angry moment, and he translates it into the perfect prayer. When I don't know what to pray, the Bible says, with groanings and utterances, the Holy Spirit says, I got you, I got it. Dan, you don't, you're blabbing. You're, you're just blab, you're blubbering. You're a mess. He said, that's good. That's what I wanted. I wanted that mess so I could translate that into the perfect prayer in heaven. I thought when our kids got older, we, we, we wouldn't have to pray as much. <laughs> that's dumb. <laughs> I just didn't know, right? Wow. Wow. And I'm not, scaring, I'm not scaring anybody. It's great. That, that's, how we, that's how we stay connected with our kids. But man, our, I'm just realizing as, as they get older, listen, I guess they got to own their own faith. I guess they got to go in alone. I guess they got to pray in alone now. And I, I wish, listen, I, I want to, yeah, yeah, I'll be right there. Don't stop. I'll be right there to do whatever you need me to do. And I'm like, God's like, no, you ain't. Stay here. Pray for them. 
All you can do, Larry said that yesterday, he goes, all you can do is pray. When your kids get older, sometimes all you can do is pray. But I'll tell you something, that is plenty. That's plenty. You pray there and lastly, listen, as we finish, you dream in there. I need you to dream in there. I need you to imagine in there. Yes, it was scary for Nehemiah, but it was in there in the scary place where the plan came together. It was in the messy place where the dream came alive. So when Nehemiah got to this portion of the wall and these gates, it wasn't overwhelming to him because he had already been there in prayer. And he had already hoped there. He imagined there. Matter of fact, I, I don't know if Nehemiah had ever been to those walls when they looked pristine. I don't think he did. He was still a younger guy. He'd been, he'd been off into another place in a palace with, a, with another king and not in his land. So I'm thinking, how did he see this? He was actually imagining something that could be. By the way, that's a key ingredient to faith. You, you look in the Bible, the key ingredient to faith is, you know what? Imagination. And doesn't it make sense that, 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 that when you're a kid, you've got a great imagination, we become adults, we kind of lose that? See, we never, we never should lose that. Our imagination should grow as we become uh, more like Jesus, we follow him. We, sh we, should, we should be able to dream bigger. So he got there. And he wasn't saying, man, he, this is what he's saying, this isn't so bad. Everybody else is saying, Done over. We'll never do this. Nehemiah's like, no, 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 this isn't bad. This isn't unrepairable. This is not impossible. Because God called me to it, so God will see me through it. See, many times we look at a daunting situation, a seemingly impossible task, and give up before we start, not realizing that there's a dream in there. Like whenever we're, we're around people struggling in, in their relationship or marriage and they, they come in. By the way, I, I encourage every single marriage to go find someone and talk to, right? It should not be taboo. Like you should go find a, a therapist, a counselor, a pastor, a friend and sit down and talk with them. That's what we should do, right? We should be doing that. That's a good thing. Talk with Jesus together. But every time that we're in front of someone, it's like, oh man, it's, it looks impossible. Like, no, 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 no. This is great. This is great. Now we can see what needs to be fixed. Now that's come to the surface. Now what has been revealed can now be healed. That's what we say. But that's, that's what God says. It's not impossible. And Nehemiah said, this ain't impossible. We can do this. He looked at the city. He was witnessing a mess. But it was in there where the dream came alive. Maybe you're looking at a mess in your family, marriage. Can I just encourage you, go there and let God start healing there. Maybe your life is a mess. Pray there and watch God give you a good life and an abundant life there. Let God turn your burden into a blessing, your trial into a treasure. Listen, even let him turn tragedy into triumph. I believe that our ability to grow, listen, 
is directly related to our ability to deal with pain. I believe, I believe that the growth that happens in me comes on how I respond to pain and the mess. And there are times when I ran from it. And there are times when I cried like a baby. And there are times when I didn't want to deal with it. And there are times I escaped. But there are times I said, no, 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 I'm going in. I got to go in. I got to go in. I'm going in. And it was in there where the dream came alive. I'm done. But I got to say this. America's most wanted. John Walsh. Maybe you know the story. Lost his son. Son was kidnapped. Murdered. Young age created this uh, show because of it. And since that show, he's literally captured hundreds of the most notorious criminals on the face of the planet. Out of that tragedy, now there's been justice and things have happened. Because what he realized was this, tragedy can either paralyze you from the dream or propel you into it. And oh God wants to propel you into a dream. And you think, you think that, that what you're going through and what you've gone through and what you're currently going through right now, how could God ever use this? Oh, you don't know God. Oh man. Because <laughs> God's gonna take that mess and that thing that looks so impossible and make it possible. And now you're going to have this incredible testimony to help other people in your same circumstance and situation. See, that, that moment, that tough moment, will actually give rise to the dream. Even though it looks like a mess, it may look intimidating, even scary. Listen, you go in there you pray in there and you dream in there. Let's pray. Lord, I pray, God, over every situation right now. God, we, we know we're probably connected to five or ten of them on our hearts. We pray for on a continual basis, Lord Jesus. And I know we're all connected with people going through difficult situations. And I know there's someone here going through a tough situation. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you that God is not just in the middle of your valley. He owns the valley. So he's with you. His rod and staff are comforting you. And by the way, this too shall pass. You're going to come out of it. You're going to come out of it stronger and closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. So I pray blessings over your people, God. Blessings over your people, God. Favor over your people, Lord God. Grace over your people, Lord Jesus. And I pray for the person who thinks it's going to take the next 15, 20 years to change, I say no. I pray a suddenly, a suddenly over those lives. And th what I believe suddenly when it happens and how it happens, it happens when you just give your life to Jesus. Can we do that right now? If you're in this place 
and you just say, I've never really totally surrendered. I've never walked through the sheep gate. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been born and raised in the church, but not born again. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, this is the day of salvation. Can we just pray this together? Can you put your hand over your heart and say, I just need to know Jesus as my shepherd. I need to know that, that, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Hallelujah. Pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, today... I walk through the sheep gate and I give my heart to the Lamb of God, the shepherd of all shepherds, Jesus Christ, my King, Jesus. I'm yours forever. I love you and I need you. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. All right. Hey, we love you guys. Bless you. I hope you were encouraged. Pass this message on to someone who needs it. Have an incredible day. Our prayer team is here to pray for you. God bless you. Take care. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E.org. And like us on Facebook. Resurrection Life Church Cadillac for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful day.